Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. It's the morning after. Francis Ngannou drops Tyson Fury and goes the distance against him. Let's talk about it, but first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now let me open by just saying this. I believe the talking heads in the 1980s put it best. This ain't no disco. This ain't no fooling around. Right? Just understand, the world's fastest man is only the world's fastest man until he loses a race. Then the man who beat him is the world's fastest man, right? We don't get into some legalistic type conversation where we say, was this race sanctioned by this sanctioning body or whatever? Now I need for people to understand what was at stake here. Understand the throne. Right? I'm just telling you, Tyson Fury, in my eyes, is the lineal champion. Right? He is the heavyweight king. He is the lineal. Lineal champions don't have non-title fights. Right? I don't want to hear about some alphabet soup. I don't want to hear about some sanctioning body. I don't want to hear about 10 rounds versus 12 rounds. People just need to understand. If you're the lineal champion and you get beaten by the other guy, you lose that title. I'm just telling you that that title is the most important title in the heavyweight division. Right? So I don't care whether the guy who beats the lineal champion is an MMA guy, or is the guy down the street fixing cars? If he beats the lineal champion, you know what we call that guy? We call him champ, right? So the stakes in this fight could not be higher, right? As you're watching this fight, you understand, okay, legally, Whoever wins this fight, you know, isn't necessarily the WBC champion. You understand all that long-windedness. But you know in your heart that if Francis Ngannou beat Tyson Fury, you were going to have a full-scale crisis on your hands. You understood the legal championship was going to leave the world a boxing and was going to be owned by an MMA guy. Right? You understood boxing history, too. When the heavyweight champ in an exhibition, we'll put it in quotes, got dropped by the middleweight champion, right? Jack Johnson gets dropped by Stanley Kitchell. And you understood, as Johnson did, that that moment was so serious that when Johnson gets off the canvas, he then proceeds to knock out several of Stanley Kitchell's teeth in knocking out Kitchell. Now let's talk about this fight. Let me say this. 
This is one of the most major fights. If you have a copy of the fight, you need to revisit it from time to time. This is one of the most major fights in Tyson Fury's career. We'll be talking about this fight for years, 20 years from now. You're going to be sitting down looking at old films on television or some computer monitor, right? AI will bring this up of big fights during the 2020s. And this is going to be one of them, right? Understand, too, this is not a fastball situation. This is not a Dubois versus Usyk situation where Dubois is brilliant for about 15 seconds of that fight. It's when he lands a shot, in my opinion, a legal shot. Disagree with me. It's fine. It's a free country, right? He lands a legal shot on Usyk and Usyk drops, right? Apart from that moment where he drops Usyk, you understood that Dubois was systematically getting beaten, right? Folks, this is not that fight. This is not the pitcher with the fastball who has one pitch that the other guy can't figure out. This fight is far more troubling if you're a Tyson Fury fan. Tyson Fury is getting systematically dismantled in some rounds. Systematically dismantled. Let me say this. I know the world is focused on the third round. I understand that that left hook that Nganu throws that drops Fury, drops Fury hard. Fury's not being reckless. Fury's being caught. Right? We understand that. That's a big moment. Right? That really validates all of these MMA boxer fights. You mean to tell me the heavyweight champion? And I know life's unfair. But you need to understand there are two groups in boxing. There's the heavyweight champion and then there's everyone else. Right? You get the fact that boxing has brilliant fighters. We all know that. But symbolically, the heavyweight champion is the top of the top. You understand that a guy in his first pro fight dropped the heavyweight champion in the third round. But I'm just telling you, What's even more troubling is look at that third round. That's not even the first left hook that Nganu lands flush in that round. Understand, Nganu sizes him up and lands a home run left hook. The kind of punch that you've seen Tyson Fury go an entire fight without getting hit, right? Like the Derek Chisora fight recently. You understood this was the kind of punch that Dillian White, a perennial contender, could not land on Tyson Fury. Just understand that Nganu lands it multiple times in that third round. There's not a lot of margin for error when you're fighting a guy with knockout power. What I want people to do, though, is to venture even further down the road in the fight. Folks, 
the knockdown in the third round is not even as disturbing as the eighth round is. Where Nganu comes out and folks, he outboxes Tyson Fury. Understand too, <clears throat> if you're confusing this with a Daniel Dubois moment, if you're confusing this with a Hasim Rockman moment, understand that these guys went 10 rounds. And according to CompuBox, it's the MMA guy, Francis Ngannou, who landed more power shots. Right, so let's just keep this real. The only reason <clears throat> Francis Ngannou lost this fight to this observer is because after a brilliant, and I mean brilliant, eighth round, and understand Fury's history, Fury typically starts to pull away in the later rounds. I understand. Deontay Wilder drops him in the 12th and is within one second of defending Wilder's title. We understand that, right? We understand that Vladimir Klitschko suddenly wakes up in the 12th round against Tyson Fury. And on the last round of Vladimir's reign, land some good shots on Fury, right? Fury's a bit reckless in that round. But I haven't seen the round where Fury comes out in a fight where he's being tested. Folks, he's tested in this fight. Needs the round and gets outboxed. Well, I have now. That's the eighth round of this fight. Right, let me just say, I had Fury comfortably ahead in the Deontay Wilder fight, right? That first fight. I know the judges disagreed. Okay, I'm just telling you one man's opinion. I had Fury ahead. Fury had enough of a cushion where even when he went down, you thought if he gets up and if he can stay away the rest of the round, he wins the fight. I believe we all had Fury well ahead of Vladimir Klitschko in the 12th round of that fight. Folks, in the eighth round of this fight against Ngannou, a question hung in the air. The question was, who's winning this fight? Right, folks, the fight's up for grabs. Ngannou clearly wins the eighth round. The reason Ngannou lost this fight is because in my opinion, he loses the ninth and 10th rounds. Folks, the fight is that close. Now let's talk about what Nganu did that put Fury in trouble. And let me just say, I know the people who haven't seen the fight, they're gonna say clearly Dwyer is overreacting here. He's, you know, pushing this to make the video exciting. No, folks, I don't have to do that. The sport of boxing is exciting enough. Right? Oscar De La Hoya put it best before the fight. He said the odds of Ngannou winning this fight 
are about the same as the odds of me beating Tiger Woods in golf. Right? That's how big the chasm was. Well, the MMA guy comes in, not only gets the one knocked out in the fight, but he does certain things that you're looking and you're saying, my God, this is different. The clinching. Let's talk about it. Right? Understand Tyson Fury is fighting Otto Wallen. Right? Wallen, by the way, beat Murat Gassiev. And is the mandatory for Philippe Ergovic. They're going to fight for a title. Right? The heavyweight championship is splintering. Understand, Fury and Usyk are both making a wise decision, fighting each other because it's hiding the fact. It's distracting people from the fact that they're major threats to the throne all over the heavyweight division. Well, Otto Wallen is fighting Tyson Fury. And Otto Wallen is faster than Fury, is the better athlete than Fury in the middle of the ring. Well, one of the things that make Fury great is that Fury then was able to come inside, was able to start roughing up Otto Wallen inside, was able to hide a cut that was gushing, was able to put that cut on Otto Wallen, close the distance between Otto Wallen, rough up Otto Wallen physically. You want to know how Tyson Fury is able to survive Steve Cunningham, knock out Steve Cunningham? Cunningham, too fast, too quick in the middle of the ring. There's an athleticism gap in the middle of the ring. So Tyson Fury starts coming in with elbows, starts ragdolling Steve Cunningham. Referee allows it to happen. The ending of the Fury-Cunningham fight is dodgy. So here's Tyson Fury. First round starts. Fury runs across the ring, throws a haymaker. At Ngannou, who moves out of the way? Then they start fighting. Suddenly you notice Ngannou is knocking down. He's knocking down Fury's left hand. Fury is unable to establish a jab against the guy in his first pro fight. You notice, too, that Nganu, right, is throwing big shots, and he's determined against the reigning lineal heavyweight champion to stay in the pocket. He's not trying to lose the pocket. He's in front of Tyson Fury, and he wants to be in front of Tyson Fury. So then Tyson Fury tries to ragdoll him. Fury tries to come inside because Fury understands, folks, that at arm's length, there's a real fight. Right? There's a real fight. Understand how dodgy it gets for him. Nganu has looked at the third fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. He notices that Wilder is doing some things that are effective against Tyson Fury. Wilder is dipping down and he's hitting Fury with hard jabs to Fury's body. 
right? Wilder's taking chances to the point where, by the way, Wilder gets knocked down. Then, you know, because Wilder's close to Fury, Wilder is going to Fury's body. So then, of course, Wilder then comes back and knocks Fury down twice. Well, folks, these films matter because Nganu comes in and is channeling Deontay Wilder. He is going low. He's not only staying in the pocket. Folks, he's going to Tyson Fury's body. So Fury understands, hey, room temperature is too hot here. I need to pull an Errol Spence, and I need to get up close and personal. I need to start clinching this guy. I need to lose this dynamic of being outside, and I need to smother him. So Tyson Fury reaches in to clinch Nganu. And folks, Nganu clinches back. Nganu has the body mass, the power, to not allow Tyson Fury to clinch him like he did Otto Wallen. Fury, who can't fight him in the pocket, can't ragdoll him and clinch him deep in the pocket. And of course, Nganu is fearless. He's on his front foot. He won't allow Fury to get more than an arm's length away. That back door out of the pocket, Fury can't beat Nganu to it. As Fury backs away, Nganu comes forward. Nganu's an athlete, himself a champion. The side doors, the side exits to the pocket, whichever way Fury goes, Nganu follows him. So, folks, it gets urgent. The coup de grace, the moment when you understand that you're not in Disneyland anymore, that you're actually seeing something, is when Fury, out of desperation, switches to Southpaw. Timothy Bradley on the telecast says he's switching to Southpaw because something's not working. And it gets worse because Nganu then switches to Southpaw. And you understand Fury is in against a ringer. That Nganu isn't some boxing novice. That Nganu has been in the gym and has figured out some strategies here. Folks, he's high risk, he's highly skilled, let me take this moment here to salute his corner, right? I know there's some question about exactly what the contours of Mike Tyson's role was in the preparation of Nganu. All I can say is this. However Nganu prepared, we need to be applauding the people who helped him prepare. This is one of the most prepared fighters I have seen against Tyson Fury. So Fury can't overpower Nganu. Right? Nganu defensively is not relying on 
upper body movement to avoid the shocks. It's more important to Nganu to be close to Fury. So you'll notice Nganu isn't a guy in there just hoping to land big shots. Again, this is not Daniel Dubois, who should have done better, quite frankly, against Usyk. Now, this is a guy who has no confidence problem. He's in the ring thinking he's going to beat the lineal heavyweight champion in his first boxing match. And Ganu has a hand up. Right? And Ganu is using his hands for defense. Right? Now, I personally have a preference for guys like James Tony, who can move an upper body out of the way, who can actually drop their hands. Larry Holmes, who, by the way, was at the fight. That's when you knew it was a big event. The camera scans the crowd and you say, okay, I've seen Evander at fights before. Okay, I've seen some other guys at fights before. Ray Leonard is an ambassador of the sport. He's at big fights. When they showed you Larry Holmes, you understood, oh, there is no fooling around. Right? You understood, oh, this must be a big event. Larry crossed the Atlantic? Well, let's just say I prefer a Larry Holmes where you throw the punch. And Larry trusted himself. So he has his hands low. He's a jabber who kept his hands low. And he could just move out of the way. Tyson Fury, when he's on a roll, can just move out of the way. But you understood here that Nganu is going for the knockout. So let me tell you, the real fight. Both guys, by the way, are going for the knockout. The real fight is in Nganu's effort to land his right hand. Understand, even after he drops Fury with his left, you get the fact that he's not inverted. His left is his offhand. Because 